Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21. We're continuing our study of the rapture, that event described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 4, verses 16 and 17. And again, if you, if you can, grab a Bible and open to 1 Thessalonians in the New Testament and follow along with me. It'll be much easier to kind of understand what I'm trying to drive at if you have a Bible with you. And I want to answer a question today. Is the rapture a secret event? This is pretty much a big deal because there are movies, entire novel series like the Left Behind series, all claiming that the rapture is a secret event. This is really something that if you want to share with a friend who is basically caught rapture fever, want to share with them the Catholic viewpoint, the historical Protestant viewpoint on these scriptures, you really want to focus in on the question, is the rapture a secret event? But let's pray first. Dear Lord, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of thy word. Amen. If you remember, we began our study of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 17 with a provisional definition of the rapture as simply those events described in these two verses. And this is from a leading evangelical commentary on the New Testament called the Baker Exegetical Commentary. And this is what this Protestant evangelical commentary says of these two verses. The material of verses 16 through 17 constitutes the most explicit description of the events surrounding Christ's return found anywhere in Paul's writings and probably in the whole New Testament as well. It is not surprising, therefore, that these verses have received a great deal of attention. So, it's not a mistake. This is agreed upon by Catholics, by Protestants, by Orthodox, that this is a key place in the New Testament. It will really help you if you ever have any interest in apologetics, that is, explaining and defending the faith, if you can just simply remember 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, better yet, if you can remember verses 16 and 17, you'll realize that this is the, this is the core, this is the center of the, quote, rapture question. Now, my provisional definition of the rapture simply said it's the content of what is taught in these two verses. But over several broadcasts, I've shown how the events in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17, refer to the second coming of Christ and the bodily resurrection or the bodily transformation of believers to meet Christ on his speedy return to earth. And this is nothing uh, new or esoteric. This is simply the Apostles' Creed. Uh, the second coming of Christ, he will come again. And the bodily resurrection or transformation of believers, that's, I believe, in the resurrection of the body. These are things that Christians have confessed since the days of the Apostles. Now, 
I want to now move a little bit off of what the Scripture teaches, off of what the Catholic Church teaches, and try to describe for you the belief of dispensationalism, and if you don't know what that big word means, we're going to break that down in other broadcasts. It's the rapture-at-any-moment viewpoint. It's, it's this notion that has basically captured the religious airwaves, the left-behind novels, Hal Lindsey's late great planet Earth. Basically, dispensationalism or the rapture-at-any-moment teachers. Now, I'm trying to help you understand what other folks believe. When they look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 17, they believe these two verses are not describing the second coming of Christ. I underscore that. They don't believe this is describing the second coming of Christ, which I have, over several broadcasts, tried to basically establish by a very careful analysis of the biblical text itself— but they don't believe that. They believe that these two verses in 1 Thessalonians 4 are describing a secret event that occurs seven years before the second coming of Christ. Did you get that? Okay. Very simple. Catholics, Orthodox, all the Protestant reformers, most Lutherans, most Presbyterians, most Episcopalians, all together believe that 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17, is simply talking about the second coming of Christ. All the so-called prophecy experts that are on the airwaves about the rapture at any moment type viewpoint do not believe this. They believe that these two verses are describing a secret event occurring seven years before the second coming of Christ. In their viewpoint, the idea, if Christ comes down, and this isn't the second coming. This is seven years before the second coming. Christ comes down. The true believers are caught up to meet him in the air, and they kind of do a U-turn and go back up into heaven with Christ for seven years. And the event, uh, what they call the rapture, and I'm calling it the rapture at any moment viewpoint, and I'll explain that next week, but in any case, the event— is to believe so secret that the people left behind are left wondering, hey, where did everybody go? What, what happened? You know, and then you see these kind of rapture movies where you have abandoned cars. You know, the driver has been, so to speak, raptured, and some people are left and some people are taken, and um, the people who are left behind, hence the name of the novels by that title, uh, are wondering where did everybody go. Now, I want to emphasize again, this isn't necessarily a Catholic versus Protestant debate. It really isn't. If you know anything about religious history, the secret rapture was not held by any of the Protestant reformers, okay? Wasn't held by Luther, wasn't held by Calvin, wasn't held by the Wesley brothers, wasn't held by Zwingli. It's still not held by many Protestants today. Unfortunately, those Protestants aren't on the airwaves teaching about prophecy, so you get the rapture at any moment viewpoint. It's not held by the Orthodox Church. And most importantly, we're looking at the Scripture here, okay? And that's the ecumenical bridge. The secret rapture is not in the text. Now, 
let's take a close look. And actually, this is this is where the emperor has no clothes. This is where the rapture at any moment viewpoint, the emperor is stark naked. Because remember, it's supposed to be a secret event occurring seven years before Christ returns. Now let's listen to the text. I'm going to move just back a verse, verse 15, so we get it in context. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord sounds like the coming of the Lord, but nonetheless they say this isn't really the second coming of the Lord, the first being when he was incarnate in the first century. It says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven, this coming that's described, he will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive, who are left, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Now, if this text, verse 16, says anything, this will be the loudest, the least secretive event in the entire history of the world. It's nothing secret. This is the, this is the cosmic trumpet being blasted. Every single human being on earth, there'll be no one left wondering, you know, where's the driver of that car and that kind of nonsense. Everyone will know exactly what's going on here. This will be something that will literally shake the cosmos. Listen to Jesus himself basically uh, teaching this similar thing from Matthew chapter 24. It says, Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds. A loud trumpet call, it, not a secret trumpet call. This is probably the biggest hole. You could drive a Mack truck sideways through this air in the rapture in any moment theory, saying it's some kind of secret event. It's the, the very opposite of that. In fact, the preview of this was in Mount Sinai when God came down. It was a theophany. The coming of God came down upon Mount Sinai, giving the Ten Commandments through Moses to the children of Israel. And when God comes down on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightning, and then a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. They knew something was going on. It wasn't a secret that God was coming to the children of Israel. It will not be a secret when he comes the second time. So the idea of a secret rapture is basically a misnomer because the rapture is anything but secret. The so-called secret rapture is a prophetic fraud that explicitly contradicts the very scripture verses that it tries to use to support its man-made theory. But let me just close with a positive word. And that's the point of all this. St. Paul concludes in verse 18, right after he talks about the second coming, the rapture at the second coming verses, he says, therefore, 
comfort one another with these words. You know, it's not very comforting to have to bury somebody you love, a friend or a family member. It's not necessarily very comforting apart from a Christian hope to think that you could be lowered into the ground in a coffin, covered with dirt, maybe left there for who knows how many years. But the good shepherd said in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, don't marvel at this. For the hour is coming when all who are in their tombs will hear his voice. They will hear the cry of command by the descending Lord of glory, and they'll come forth, and those who have done good to the resurrection of life. So St. Paul says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. St. Paul in 1 Thessalonians describes Christian death as a sleep. The rapture or the second coming, the sounding of the trumpet, probably St. Michael the archangel sounding it. It's like a cosmic alarm clock. And our souls are reunited with transformed, glorified bodies to live for eternity on a renewed earth with Jesus Christ without disease, war, pestilence, or death. And it's really something to be excited about. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 11 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.